hungry for the truth, Father. We ask, God, uh, that you would prepare our hearts even now to receive the Word of God. Lord, that we would pull on the gift of God inside of this man, Lord, that you would transform us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Come on, we're a house of prayer. I want to pray again for us as a people here today, just for our hearts. Let's, let's open our hands. Father, we just want you, Jesus. We simply say, God, we want all of you, all that you have for us, God. Father, I lay low just even the plans for today in this message. God, the agenda that we have to, to preach good things. Lord, we're asking for the inbreak of your kingdom today in this room. We're asking for truth to be translated to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. God, that you would awaken us to life, God. Father, I pray that strongholds would be broken. God, we're asking for something that doesn't derive from my heart or from the music or from coming in a group setting. We're asking for an inbreak of your spirit, God. Not trying to use big words. God, use your spirit today, God, to break strongholds off our life, God. We want more of you, God. We're sick of the patterns in our life, God, that don't glorify you, God. We're sick of processes that we have to go around the mountain again and again with, God. We want your inbreaking, God. God, to come upon our hearts and breathe life, God. To breathe truth, God, and freedom upon our hearts, God. I just proclaim over this group today, God, that every mind and every heart would be sensitive and open and fertile for the Word of God to be planted within. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many people were here last week? Let's get a... Sorry, I didn't see you. I was looking at something else. Go ahead, raise your hand. How many people are here? Because I'm going to touch upon real quick, guys, what we talked about last week. Because it's good. It's the entrance into this word. And it's, we talked about justification. You know what? Let's do this now yeah, so I don't sorry. do it at the end. Oh, it's okay. Hey, guys, we forgot to take our tithes and offerings. We're not going to make a big deal of it. We're, we're just going to give God what he's given us. Amen, Father. We pray over the offering and the tithes. Lord, we ask that our, our seeds would be multiplied and, Lord, uh, effective, Lord, for the purposes of your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. What we'll do is we'll just pass uh, these, just make let them find their way back, and Jordan will get them on the tail end. Amen? Go ahead, Noah. Is this danger? This is danger. Yeah, that's danger. Here, I'll get you something. Here we go. Check this out. That'd be perfect. Very good. So last week we talked about justification. We just threw out the word. We just clearly went through the word and we wanted to lay a case that all throughout history, especially Jewish culture, God was calling for obedience to the law, for right standing before him. Something was happening in the heart of people, though. They could not live up to the standard that was being set by the law. And um, there, was, there was weakness. There was constant backsliding. There was constant frailty. It came to a head just constantly, generation after generation. And what I loved about it was God. It just... Throw every generation was constantly declaring his faithfulness to his people. That even in weakness, even in frailty, God was committed to seeing his people come into fullness of who he who he who was always intended for them to come into. And uh, what we saw up into the New Testament was Jesus came, right? We know the testimony of Jesus. That's why we're here today. Our hearts at some level was affected by the truth of the work of Jesus at the cross, specifically the blood of Jesus. And uh, we got into what Paul had this amazing revelation that what, what took place at the cross was the fulfillment of the transition of trying to gain favor and right standing before God, right? Through our own works of obedience according to the law. That in our own strength we were never ever able to uh, adhere to and live up to the full requirement of the law. That there was constant failure and separation. And God being a God full of justice, wow. holiness, and purity, there was this gap. Well, God and man, God was not desiring constantly to encounter men and and uh, and and, and um, <laughs> God was constantly trying to join with with men and women and, and and find partnership in the earth. And there needed to be something that took place uh, in humanity for Him to find a place where in His justice. In his holiness, in his purity, he could find a place of habitation within people. Mm -hmm. Something needed to take place. It couldn't be the, you know, they used to kill animals every year, right, for the sin of the people. So that, but year after year, they had to do this. Well, well, God sent Jesus as his son. I know it's simple gospel, but it's truth. You know, Jesus came to die as appropriation for our sins so that we could have right standing before God through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the foundation we laid last week, week that... It was nothing about our own efforts. It was nothing about our own works or our own levels of obedience where we could gain right standing before God. It could not happen. 
Paul actually came into the revelation that the law came to show that it couldn't happen. That we were sinners and that we needed a savior. That we couldn't do it in our own strength. We could not obtain relationship with God on the level God wanted relationship with his people through obedience because we were, we, were, we were failures in our own strength. We were under the law of sin and death, it said. So through the blood of Jesus and by faith in that, people were able to come into a new covenant, come into a new relationship with Jesus, and out of that place, uh, invite the Holy Spirit to come into us. So no longer, like Paul said in, I think, Galatians 3, we had talked about... Um, how Paul was addressing an issue in the church of people trying to uh, complete, he said, you know, why by the Spirit did you receive, why by faith did you receive the Spirit of God in your life? Why did you receive by faith salvation in your life, but now you're trying to perfect it with your flesh? Why are you trying to resort back to the law of gaining right standing in favor with God by something you can do? Did Christ die for nothing, he said? Your righteousness in itself is like filthy rags. That's what he said. I mean, strong language. He said it's like filthy rags. If, if you try to present yourself before God in your own strength and your own ability to adhere to everything in this word. Wow, what a humbling thing that the cross wasn't... He was coming against 2,000 years of progressive understanding of we're presenting ourselves through obedience. You said in the law, do this, this, and this. So here we come. We're trying, 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 shoot. Messed up. Trying, 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 shoot. Never can live up to the requirements. We have to get this, guys, that... What we, what we try so hard to do in, in our own ability, and this is in terms of not the changing, and that's why we're going to hit upon sanctification today, the work of the Spirit changing us and conforming us to the likeness of God. But this was different. This was about standing, right? Where Christ could dwell in us and we could literally be seated in heavenly places. Christ doesn't view us any, I mean, God does, the Father doesn't view us anymore by our own righteousness, this is so key, guys, and I know sometimes we can muddle it. We know this truth, but let it sink in and let it challenge our We are not accepted by God by our own righteousness. Our standing before Him, you could not earn it, you could never earn it, and Christ died for nothing if you could earn it. God came out of glory and the, frail, out of glory and the frailty of a human life in weakness, suffered a torturous death if somehow you could obtain relationship with Him. We need to humble our hearts to that. Paul actually said, he said, it's so that we have nothing to boast in. That it was the kindness and mercy of God that we could have relationship with him. That he would send his son into the earth, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave himself through his son. Come on. Wow, what an amazing thing. We know it because we're Christians, right? But we need to allow that truth not to become familiar, not to become dealt to us or like, oh, that's a great story. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But something that radically revolutionizes the way we approach life. Something that we recognize that the uncreated God dwelling within us lives within us. The holiness and perfection and purity of God dwelling within us that we were called to something greater than habitually struggling with sin for your life. God did not pay such a great consequence of the death on the cross to brutality, bru help me guys, brutality. brutality on the cross where it literally says in, I might call on you guys, can you tell us, <laughs> especially when I'm babbling, Isaiah 58, right, talks about uh, this, Isaiah was foreseeing what was the suffering servant, he was seeing something that he didn't understand it fully, but he knew something was coming, he was prophesying something he was longing to see in his lifetime, he was prophesying about, it said Jesus was so brutally beaten that he was beyond recognition, and if he was a man or a woman, that was the language that he, they couldn't even recognize, that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. In my sin, in my brokenness, and all the just jacked up stuff that was going in my life. How many of you heard my testimony, my personal life testimony? A few of you guys, guys, I was so hardcore addicted into drugs and alcohol, promiscuity, a life of just resisting a God. Growing up in truth, knowing, knowing truth, being saved at a young age, and just running headfirst in another direction at a point in my life. And in brokenness, in just rejecting God at every turn, where people, where I can look back now and see God was after my heart, He was constantly saying, Noah, son, I long for you, I desire you, I created you. I don't forget those times that you laid on your bed and we talked. Like simple things, right? He, he never forgot about that. He never forgot about my faith in Him. And, and for so long, so long, I'm young, six years, right, five or six years, so long, so long I ran away from God and, and did my own thing. And there's no reason to glory in, in, in some of the 
levels of disgustingness I engaged on, but there is something to glory on. I was at a party, a mess. I overdosed two nights before. I said, God, if you're real and you really want anything to do with my life anymore, take it because I'm going to take it. I don't want anything more to do with this life. I'm sick of this life, God. I'm ready to be done. And I go to a party. Of course, yeah, that party was real sincere, but you know what? God heard it. Two days later, I went to a party. It's me and this kid. You know, I was usually one of those kids at the end of the party, you know, smashing into the liquor cabinet and the parents and just keep going. Too. Everybody's passed out. And me and this kid are doing just that. And I just start, in my drunken mode, start telling him how miserable my life is. Mm. I start saying, man, you know, Johnny, I'm, I'm ready to be done with this. This is, you know, I'm so sick of this. He said, after some conversation like that, he said to me, Noah, you know what? This might sound crazy to you. I have no idea if you ever heard about Jesus before. <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus has a better life for both of us. And I went through a program, a rehabilitation program, years ago, and it changed my heart, but I'm just struggling. He wasn't doing drugs. He was just drinking, you know, beyond. He was just getting drunk all the time. And uh, he said, you know, you know, God has a plan for you, Noah. And um, I just started uh, crying there and saying, yeah, first I was like, God, he's in a drunk kid to witness to me. <laughs> Come on, can I just listen, God? Like a week before, he used Psalms 32. I, I was in that place of desperation. I said, God, if you want to speak to me, I know last week I said I had one of those times too. But I want to encourage you, it's not the, read, the way to read the Bible. <laughs> but I opened up the word, let me do it here, Psalms 32. And I said, and literally in desperation, I said, I was at my mother's house and uh, kind of getting that free meal. <laughs> and, I, and I literally, this is what happened I looked down and it says How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven Whose sin is covered How blessed is the man To whom the Lord does not impute iniquity And in whose spirit there is no deceit When I kept silent about my sin My body wasted away through my groanings all day long For day and night your hand was heavy upon me my vitality was drained away as with the fever of the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, my iniquity I did not hide anymore. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time where you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. You are a hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. And it goes on. This word so rocked me. In that moment, I was like, oh my goodness. There's no way this is coincidence. And I just, it was a, uh, what are those, reference Bibles, right? So I was checking every cross-reference. I didn't want my mom to know God was doing, so I took the Bible, my brother's Bible, put it in my belt like it was a pack of drugs. <laughs> I was good at that, you know. Hit it, walked out. You know, walked out of the, trying to hide what was going on. But God was after my heart. Come on. You know, in weakness, right? When I wasn't fully yet to surrender, God was just still tugging. He was fighting all the warfare, just the demonic activity I had allowed in my life over those years of fully engaging in sin and, and just a bunch of nonsense. And uh, anyways, went to that party. So this was just kind of the platform. God just reaching out. Didn't use a safe person or whatever, you know. Didn't, didn't use a church, didn't use, he used a drunk kid at a party. We both sobered up. We, I called my, all my, all my, every family member that I could think of at 3 o'clock in the morning that morning and said, they thought I was messed up. I'm like, what do you want, Noah? Do you need, you need help? And he goes, I was like, I'm going, going with Jesus, guys. You know, <laughs> I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm going to Teen Challenge, this program I just heard about. We're, we're at this party, and, and this kid's telling me about Jesus. And, uh, I, you know, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going after God for real. And my dad kind of clued up at 3 in the morning. He's like, where are you? He came, and he just laid hands on us and prayed for us. and said, Noah, if you want this, I want to do anything I can. You know, I, at this point in my life, I had broken every relational tie I had. I had stolen a hundred times from people who didn't have money, right? right. I did the, just the worst, worst things. I, had broke, I, was living in, I was living outside, guys, for two winters straight. You know, my life was just so wrapped up, and I blamed everybody for it because I just couldn't see Right? And God, the whole purpose of saying this is God in mercy. When I wasn't looking for Him, when I wasn't calling out to Him, He was calling out to me. In my sin, in my brokenness, in my depravity, God was saying, I haven't forgotten you, Noah. I still have a purpose for you. And to say I would be speaking in a church 
uh, you know, eight, ten years later, you know, blows my mind because of this simple fact is I was so messed up on hard, hardcore drugs, like really bad drugs, that I was secluding myself. I didn't want to be around people if I could help unless I was getting high or, or drunk. And uh, I couldn't hold a conversation. I couldn't, I, couldn't talk, no, I couldn't talk to two people, never mind a group full of people. But God had a plan for me, you know, and God has a plan for you, and God has a plan for that person that you think is helpless. I had people come to me after saying, Noah, Christian people, Noah, I counted you as a helpless cause. I thought it was done for you. I didn't think, I didn't think, I didn't think there was hope for you anymore. My name was in the, the, the newspaper every other week for being arrested for different things. And just anyways, God's a God of redemption. Come on, and I, we really need to take this message of sanctification out of the reality of the redemptive purposes of God for your life. That regardless of some of the hard truths that we're going to encounter today in the Word, God's call for your life is, is wholeness. God's call for your life is a life of purity and a life of just giving everything you have for the one who gave everything for you, right? Yeah. That there's so much more to this God than we understand because you know what? A lot of us are young. We understand so little. And we, we, we put them in a box sometimes and I think sometimes it's out of just our how young we are in Christ and how little we... But I think God wants to start a, to open us up to be able to receive just kind of a greater understanding of who God is. Not only who He is, but who you are. Who you're called to be and who God wants to be in your life. Because you know what? He didn't give all so He could dwell in you so that you could live a mediocre life. This isn't your best life now message. This is your call to, to revolutionize in your generation. You are called to bring awakening and transformation to your school, to your workplace, to everywhere you lay foot. Because you know why? The kingdom of God rests on you. The full power of the resurrection dwells in your heart. I know sometimes we see all the sin, weakness, frailty of our lives, and it's hard to understand that God gave fully all that He is, everything it is, the way, you know, everything that it was, it says that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in, in us. I don't get that. I, I dare anyone in here say they do, but that's a truth that we need to just meditate on and understand. Wreck your life. Amen. It needs to wreck you. Wreck Paul's life. Everything that he counted so much gain in, in his schooling, his education, and his, his place of influence and everything else. He said, I, can, I consider it rubbish now compared to knowing Jesus. All this stuff that I just elevated and took so much pride in. Sometimes not necessarily bad pride, right? Just, just this, oh, look what I've accomplished. Look what I've built. Right? He said, compared to knowing Jesus, it's like rubbish. Amen? Amen. 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 So good, so good. Uh, justification. Nothing we could do to earn it. Nothing we could do to gain it. God did it. It was by faith through grace, the scripture says. Over and almost the whole New Testament to revolve around this truth. That there's nothing you can do to maintain it. And then the second part of this, it's actually a fruit of justification. If indeed your salvation experience caused the indwelling spirit, the spirit of God, to come and live within you, and 1 Corinthians says your, your two spirits became one. If this really took place, there's times for gauging, right? Mm -hmm. Making your calling and election sure. And that's what we're going to do today. Excuse me. If this took place, what is the fruit of that supposed to look like? What's supposed to be taking place in your life? And what is outwardly supposed to be being manifested in your life? Let's just take a minute and think about that for a minute. It's important. I'm going to pull up something here. What do you think it means that all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-kind, all-justice, full of justice, however you say that, all-justiceful God dwelling in us, what is that supposed to look like? What do you think it's supposed to look like in your life? Usually when I meditate on that and I think about my own life, I just start repenting. I'm just like, shoot, I stay. <laughs> but you know what? God's committed to us, right? He said that Paul in weakness, I made my powers perfected. I, 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 and it's not an instantaneous thing, this sanctification. There's a lot of these views. I just want to touch upon some of the big views in the body. Sanctification, one, one part of the body of Christ believes sanctification is something that the believer just by themselves is supposed to just work at, strive to, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's scripture. You know, they run with that. Just work it out, work it out, work it out. Keep, keep fighting the good fight of faith. And there's some truth in that. Then there's this other side, this grace side. Just like, you know what? Just, just, Worship Jesus, go to church, do your thing, and God's going to change you. 
And uh, you don't have to worry about it. Just don't worry about saving your life. I had a kid in here last year pray on the mic that I just want to exhort the whole group that God laughs over your sin. Son, daughter, God laughs over your sin. And I'm telling you, this is a real ideology that's taking place in the body of Christ where people think that God does, because of the glorious message of justification, faith alone type message, they feel like grace alone, God will condone, grace is a band-aid, so that no matter how you know, how, how, how imperfect I am or how much I sin, God's going to over time change me and I'm going to be good. And that, through Scripture, we're going to see today is a very, 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 very dangerous message. It's an exciting message because there's truth there. It's an invigorating message that brings life to the Spirit because it's supposed to. God is a God of grace, but grace isn't a band-aid. Guys, you know you've heard it. Grace is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit for you to live up to the full calling and destiny you were ever created to live for. We need to understand that. The guides of grace, and, and Paul addresses it. We'll get there in Hebrews 14. He talks about insulting the Spirit of grace, tasting and knowing the Word of God, uh, coming into agreement and relationship with God, and then just continually, habitually sinning. Even in light of knowing God, you continue to do your own thing, taking sin casually in your life. Right? He said, you're insulting the spirit of grace. And he actually goes on to the point of saying, are you even saved if this is the posture of your heart? Can you as a Christian live from this place with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the one who's committed to you and desiring for you to come into completion, refining you, constantly challenging you? Is that reality not alive in you? Then today, do not leave this house without the understanding that God is in your life. The consequences are huge for that, right? Christianity isn't a game. It's not a good idea. Christianity isn't some good concept, guys. It's not like other religions where it's a good set of moral values and we're going to live up to it. It's a living reality. It's a standard God's calling you to. But God's committed to you in that calling. We need to understand that. So I'm going to read some scriptures. Amen. Are people following me? Raise your hand. Don't just raise it if you're not, but come on. If you guys are following this, come on. I need some amens in the amen, room. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Need some tape. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If you can just kind of do that. Some band aid on that, bro. <laughs> There's some grace on this. Right there on that side. Amen. So I just want to read a few scriptures quickly, guys. You can write them down. I encourage you, if you have your Bible, write these down. Take them home. Read them. Digest them. Because, you know, we only can fit so much in this little short time. But I'm going to read them so it's not just references and then... I'm going to let the Word exhort you out of these scriptures rather than trying to exhort, exhort off a, a reference point. The, the, the sanctification I want to highlight is a work of the Holy Spirit, yes. It's a work of the Word of God, yes, the transforming, the renewing of our mind. But it's also the work of the partnership of us as, as Christians to agree with it and allow it to run root and take its process in our life where it's changing us, conforming us into the image of Christ. Amen. Number one, in my opinion or 1A, 1B, whatever you want to say, one of the main functions of the Holy Spirit in your life is to present a bride without pure, who is pure and spotless, without blemish, before Jesus on that day. Guys, that's us. Life is, life is short. We'll leave it at that, all right? Amen. I love Scripture, Hebrews 10, 14. It says, By one sacrifice He is made perfect forever those who are being sanctified, those who are being made holy. Justification, sanctification. Before God, He sees you as perfect. Before man, you're being sanctified. You're being conformed. You're being changed. We're in this body of flesh and we're, and, we're, and we're fighting the war against just some of these desires. Paul says evil desires in Romans 6 that try to wage war in the members of our body. Whatever you, He says whatever you give your body to, if it's righteousness, you're a slave to that. If it's to sin, you're a slave to that. But to understand the two separate things... Your sanctification, again, to understand it, is not a place of gaining favor or love. Yeah. You know, the rose petal, you know, it's corny, guys, I know, please. But it's, the rose petal of God is not, I love you, I love you not. He's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Who needs this word today? There's somebody in here. I love you, I love you, in weakness, I love you, in frailty, I love you. It's about your heart, guys. How are you approaching God? Are you approaching Him casually? I mean, and in a casual way, just not caring about sin, not making a fight against it, that's where you're in danger. But if you're in sincerity struggling with things, and in your heart you're wrestling against things, that's a whole different posture. God delights over that. He understands it. You know what it says? It says in Hebrews, it's awesome, it says that 
Jesus can, can have, what does it say, have compassion on people because he went through a life in the flesh. He understands the weakness of human frailty because he gave himself to that. Think of that, an uncreated God in all glory and splendor and power, who was and is and is to come. All things were created by him and for him and in him. Came into a, man, a manger. Frailty of a hu human weak life. Anyways, the whole point is, is that he understands your struggles. He says he faced every one of them. And it says, with loud cries and petitions and prayers, he constantly sought after the Father. There was war going on. We see it when at the, before the cross, guarding Gethsemane. Okay, Father, if, if you can take this from me, take it. But not your will, mine be. Not my will, but your be done. Wow, what a, what a, what a window into, into, into Jesus' life. That the pressures were so strong. He wasn't just, I feel no physical, I don't have any, any pain or no emotions to this thing. He felt the pressure of what was coming so strong that he actually asked God if there was any other way this could, and he knew there wasn't. I mean, he knew there wasn't. He knew, it says before the very foundations of the world was created, Christ was portrayed crucified. He knew it had to be done. He was, he subjected himself to time. This was all completed already in reality. He subjected himself to this and the pressures of that so that he can understand you. So when you come to God, you say, God does, doesn't understand my way. He's not seeing me. Doesn't. You know what? Most cases, it is God. You start rebuking the devil and every other thing in your life because of the pressures on your life. I love what a conversation I had with a, a girl this week about this. And she says, I was in such a wilderness time. It's such a uh, barren time in my life. And I was waiting for it. Like, And then I rebuked the devil and he fleed and I was... Good gung-ho, but she did. You know what she said? But I knew God was doing something in me. I knew this was something God was doing in my heart, capturing my heart. Scripture popped in my head, Psalms 119. David says a profound thing that we don't connect to as American church. He says, in your faithfulness, you afflicted me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your commands. Whoa. Hebrews 12, the discipline of the Lord. The actual, the marking, Paul says, of sons and daughters. Amen. If the discipline of God's not in your life, you say, you know what he says? Hard language. Let it, let it hurt your heart if it needs to. Illegitimate. You're playing a game. You're playing a Christian game. We need perspective how we view life. We need perspective how we view God. Israelites in early Jewish history, Moses went to the mountainside. They built an image of a cow, golden calf, right? They were, they were actually worshiping God, but they built it in something they could identify. They wanted God to still be in their box of familiarity. And we need to be so careful that we don't approach this uncreated God on our human understanding of who He is. We are not to allow our experience to determine what Scripture means. We're supposed to allow this Word to govern the interpretation of our experience. Do you get that? Everything you face in life, you don't go in to try to find something in here, because you probably will, and that's how religions and sects of Christianity come about. You know, they go through something, and they want a certain truth out of that reality, so they go and they find anything they can to endorse how they feel God should be. Rather than humbling their heart, God, what is going on? What is going on in my life? God, what are you saying is going on? Not, first thing I do is, I'm going to rebuke and bind the devil. You know what? You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Yeah. There's time where there's oppression. Come on, don't get me wrong, but you know what? The majority of the time, this isn't coming from me, 10 years walking with the Lord. This is coming from saints that have walked with the Lord their whole life. They said, you know what? God is after your heart, Noah. This isn't the devil, Noah. God's after your heart. He wants all of you. And he knows how to get it. You know what it says in Second? I know it's just a lot of random scriptures here, but Second Chronicles, last chapter, I think it's 20, 34, something like that. Powerful, 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 powerful. He said, the prophet said, is it Jeremiah? He said, uh, he said, let me just read it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to blow up our, our grid of who God is. How can we even put a grid on God? As long as it lines up with this, not by you trying to force it to line up, like fit that square peg in the round hole, cut off the edges, lubricate a little bit. <laughs> You know, it's not about that. God is who He is. You know, I, I, unfortunately, there's this major, there's a guy with a voice right now, and he's, he's got public ministry, and he just released a statement, said, I will not give myself to any ideology that goes against 
God being good. I'm like, of course, who wouldn't say that? But it's so subjective to what goodness means to that person. Mm, yeah. And what he was implying, what goodness meant, is that God would never challenge this whole issue of discipline, affliction, God after the heart, doing what it takes for people, right? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about what we think is God being good. Was God good when Ananias and Sapphira got struck down for blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Of course he was. He didn't change in that moment. That's New Testament. I started there for a reason. God's good. Regardless of what our perspective and our little limited, prideful, arrogant perspective of who God is. Humble your heart before God. Get Him on your life for real today. And guess what? He will, he will fulfill everything He's ever intended in your life. Lay it down. That thing in your mind that's warring against this. Lay it down. God wants you. God wants you. That's what you were created for. Do you want to be found on your, 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 your deathbed at 70 years old and wasted your life on some idea of God that wasn't even true because it made your life a little more comfortable? Is that what you want for your life? I don't want. I fight against that for my life. Because there's truth coming out of this movement that put that statement out there. You know what? There's truth from this movement and truth from this movement. God, I want to know you from what you say, God. Come on, God. I want to pull off every good thing, God, but I don't want to limit you. God, I don't want to understand you in all my mind. We need something like Paul said, you weren't you were taught by men this, you were taught by the Spirit of God. Yeah. That's what he wants from us. He wants what you hear here to be, to be affirming what God's been teaching you through the week. This isn't the first place you hear this. God wants to teach your heart. The Spirit of God wants to lead, lead you into sonship. Get hungry for God. There's so much more. We don't have time to sin. To dabble in sin because it's a cool thing to do because there's pressure of people around us. We don't get time for that. To go out and get drunk at the bars because now I'm 21. Guys, it's devastation that that will lead to your life. Telling you right now. Because we try to set a guideline, you don't get drink to this point. Listen, I'm not talking about drinking at all. It has nothing to do with that. But I'm talking about what are we hungry after? What are we alert to? What are we urgent to? And what are we giving our life to fully? Only you know that. Well, not only you. God knows that. And it really doesn't matter if only you know it, as long as God knows it, because there is a day coming, you're going to stand before Him. And take into account everything you did in this life. I'm not being hard for the sake of being hard. I'm being hard because there's so much necessary, it's so necessary for you guys to be awakened to this, guys. My heart needs to be awakened. I need to preach this to me every day, and my four-year-old, I, I force him. <laughs> we just need to hear it. We just need to hear God's alive. God's alive. Amen. Second Chronicles. I know I'm kind of going all over. You guys getting it? Yeah. yeah. It's powerful. Challenging, but powerful scripture. Talking about a king who did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke for the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who made him swear an allegiance by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Furthermore, all the officials and the priests of the people were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of, of the nations. Yikes. And they defiled the house of the Lord, which he had sanctified in Jerusalem. So basically, to relate to us, you know, we, we, we put ourselves in, and it's hard. Obviously, we're in a culture where something's being promoted so strong. The, dark, the darkness is getting darker, it's in the scripture, and the light shall get lighter. What are you going to be a part of? I tell you, there's no middle graph. He says you'll be spit out. You're not even going to be puked out. You're going to be puked out into darkness. Lukewarmness, guys, have nothing to do with it. Why didn't he address darkness in that scripture? Why did he address the middle ground? Because of the danger of it, because it's self-deception. Yeah. If you know you're walking in darkness and you're in darkness, there's hope. But if you're in lukewarmness, usually you're justifying it in your mind. <laughs> So he said, let's deal with this one. Following after all the abominations of the nations, they defiled the house of the Lord. And I just say, all these things that are so promoted to us in this generation, what we are praying for right here, guys, tonight, just the, the promotion, the publication of, publication, not a good word, of, of, of this, what do you want to call it, the sex thing? You know, it's just sex sells type of reality. Right? Everywhere you turn, someone was just telling me Crystal of a billboard in New York with a full, fully nude woman on it. Tolerance. People are living for that. They're driving by that with their six and seven year old kid in it, and it's not searing their heart because they've gotten so dull. Because my heart's gotten so dull to me flipping on the TV and seeing something where it's not 
piercing my heart. It's not shooting conviction in me where I can just kind of, you know, because I'm just familiar with it. Scary place, guys. Scary place that I know that we need a war against daily, guys. Because you know what? If we don't war against it daily, then we just subtly give in. We give in. We give in. We give in. We come used to it. Oh, and then all of a sudden, we're joining with all the abominations of the land. We, we agree with it. We're condoning it. We're publicizing it to our kids. The Lord, the God of their father, sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God. They mocked this type of message. He wasn't talking about unsaved people. He's talking about Christians or believers. They mocked. Messengers came. Lou, abortion, homosexual agenda, these things. Mocked them. And we see that. I see it. I've heard it, actually, from people. Regardless of how bold it is in my face, the undertones of it, spirit of this age that wants to silence the prophet. But anyways... Continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at the prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, until there was no remedy. And that's the whole punchline there, is there was no remedy. God tried to come. What would it say? It was driven by compassion. But he said, messenger, messenger, turn from your ways. Turn from your ways. This is true. This is life. This is the way. You guys are compromising. There's mixture going on. Come out of this and come into this. This is not what God created. This is kind of like what's going on here today with my heart and yours. As I'm speaking, my heart's being challenged and your, your heart's being challenged. What, what are we going to do with it today? Are we going to treat it like another good Christian service and be excited for an hour? Or are we going to allow it to lay root in our heart and say, God, pass the words. What are you saying to me, God? Where are you challenging me in this, God? I need to know. He said there was no remedy left. But you know what? God did something. He poured out judgment because it was the remedy. It was still compassion on people. He knew how to get after that. That, that nation as a whole, shaking. He wasn't just wiping them out to wipe them out and then never have a relationship with them again. He said, I had compassion, kindness, over and over and over and over again. I said, come on out, come out of sin, come out of dabbling with sin, come out of pornography, come out of those whatever it is that's real alive in your heart right now that, that might be on the forefront. Regardless how big a sin thing it is or a little, well, you know, sin is sin. Come out of it. We don't have enough time. That's what Paul said. Not me. This mess. He says, there's not enough. The day is coming quickly that Jesus is returning. Be alert. Be on guard. Be awake, guys. They were in a time in culture where God was breaking in with power. There was demonstration. There were salvations. Churches popping up everywhere. There was persecution. But it was spreading the church out. It was doing the will of God. God used the persecution. And, and there was just this momentum behind it. Why did Paul, when you think in a, in a move like that, a revival, that Paul's message, he wouldn't have to talk about being alert, being on guard, being awake, waking from your sleep, because God was moving. The reality is we're dull. We're human beings who are so caught up in our own, who can be so caught up in our own agendas, our own desires, our own dreams, that we just neglect God and we do our own thing. So he said, even to them in revival, be awake, be alert. Mm. Every day, constantly, he was saying this to him. I say this to your heart. Even wake up. Noah, be alert. Be alert today, Noah. Be awake. Don't, don't just get caught up in it. Listen, I, I, I have a lot of things. I've got three kids. I've got a company. A lot of things take my time, right? That's okay. How am I going to approach those things that day? It's not about hiding yourself here for 12 hours a day. Hallelujah, if he calls you to do that. There's grace for that. But it's not about that. It's about approaching your day in the view of what God wants to do, the, the view of desire for God and all that He has for your life. It's a real message, guys. First Thessalonians 5, 22 through 24. I'm going to read 23 and 24 first. It says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Amen. Wow, thank you Jesus for that, because you know, we'd be in trouble. He is committed to our lives to seeing the completion of what he started in your life to take place. What was the verse right before that, 22? Abstain from every form of evil. He wasn't just saying, let the Lord sanctify you. He was saying, abstain from every form of evil in your life. Make a stand against those things that are trying to harness your mind and your heart. Don't treat them lightly. I don't care what culture says to you right now to be taller enough, 
What does the word say to be taller than all? Make a stand. Your peers and your, your friends and your classmates and your professors and your people at work, there's pressure to have a popular view about things going on in society, especially this whole homosexual thing right now. But what does the word of God say about it? What does God say about it? You say, well, you know what? There's some different interpretations in the Bible about what God says about it. Listen, I have people that are close to me that I'm laboring with tears and intercession over for, for many, many hours about their life because they believe God condones their life in homosexuality. It's tragic. And for some reason, as Christians, we can get into a little level of agreement with that. Subtly. I feel it in the room. It's in, it's in here. It's in our hearts because we're humans. You guys want to tolerate it because God's love. God's good. God's kind. He wants them. We just need to, you know what? They promote so strong an agenda to us without shame or without boldness or with boldness. But we, we want to just passively, you know, not engage on that on any level at all. We just kind of avoid conflict because, you know, somehow if I don't speak, that's going to show God's love to them. If I just be quiet and hide out and, and just have my own views on it, I'm not, you know, stepping on the toes and that's going to reveal the love of Christ to them. What do you think? Or maybe what's another view that some of us might have? If I just, you know, befriend them and, and talk to them and, 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 you know, understand that, listen, it's a family member. Very, very close. It isn't this, this thing about the person at all. It's about the thing that's governing their mind, binding them in deception, and sending them to hell. And we think it's a light thing. We think it's a little thing, so... I don't know where God's bringing this, but I feel like we're just going to go ahead and have an altar call pretty soon here and just respond to God in a real sincere way. I mean, we've got a bunch of stuff here, but I don't want to belabor it. I just want to, I want to honor God with my life. I want to honor God with, with you guys. I want to preach here. Guys, I don't want to have just fancy messages that encourage you to, to have your better life now, that God's a God of prosperity and He wants to make every life, every area of your life prosper and there's no hardship, you know. But you're not going to hear that at this church. You're not going to hear it. Not, you know, I don't say it so that you know, we divide or we... I just say get hungry for the fullness of who God is. You know, like that's a reality in God to do that. But there's many other realities. And if you hold on to that alone, guess what? You're missing out on who God is in your life. And you'll never come into full completion and maturity. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean... It means all that you were intended for for this time on earth. You were created for this time, guys. You can miss out, of, miss out on it. These scribes, they dedicated their whole life in, when Jesus came to the study of the Word, the, the returning of the Messiah. But they got so caught up in a religious system and a religious mindset, they just brushed shoulders with this guy, Jesus. They actually put him on the cross. I don't want to be like that because I want to hold to a view of God. Because I want to limit him down like this. Please, God. Whatever. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> oh. So there's just throw all scripture. Let me. Do you guys have pens and paper? Any of you guys? I'm going to throw out a couple of verses. And it's, what these verses are talking about is a call for the believer to respond to sanctification, the call to the commitment of God on your life to see it come to completion, and also the power of the word to see it move and come into being in your life. So that's what these scriptures are. Before I just read all these out, I want I want you guys to go home and just 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 allow the Lord to do what He wants to do with it. First Peter one fifteen. First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 7, which starts out, for this is your, the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess your own vessel, vessel with sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, for God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. Second Corinthians 7, 1. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Fear of God what? What's the fear of God? Many interpretations. One I like to, that's real for me and it can be a live verse in me to go by is the fear of God is living before the eyes of God. That He sees you, not out of fear, not out of worry, but just that God created you for so much more and that you're living your life before His eyes. That when you think nobody else sees, and I get it, the enticement of sin, guys. But I'm saying let's make a stand. Come on. Let's make a stand against this today. 
What will happen if the people of God give themselves to the message of sanctification? What takes place? One common thread we were talking about in revival history, not just here, but all over. What, what is a common thread? The common thread is hearts humbling themselves under the revelation of who God is and saying, we need you, and the spirit of repentance yeah. striking and marking their hearts. There's got to be more, God, than what I see going on right now. If you really are who you are, if in heaven, ten thousands upon ten thousands are worshiping you right now, if that's really happening, there's got to be more than what I'm living for right now. Paul, Paul constantly exhorted, continue to live your life in dedication to your jobs, to all these things. He was saying, guys, continue, but do it in uprightness of heart. Do it postured before God. Let your life be lived as if you're living before God. I know I keep saying the same stuff. I think it's important, guys, because we forget that so quick. All of history forgets that so quick because of life, because of frailty, because of our own desires, what we want to see happen, American dream type stuff. I just work, gain this, and get this, and then I'll be able to die in a nice, you know, king-size bed. <laughs> Watching TV on my 62-inch screen TV. and None of that stuff's bad. I got a house, I got a family, I got, I, got a, I got a flat screen, I love sports. Guys, the whole reality, it, I hope it's clear, it's Come nothing on. to even it's do with this stuff. Mm. It's the heart. Yeah. What are you giving your life to? Man. Hey, sometimes, you know how many times I've had to give away my TV for two, three years? How many times? So, so two times. <laughs> I was asking myself that maybe. Two times. So literally, where I would get home, you know, just be like, like, was it, at first it was like, you know what, we can have cable again, we're good. You know, I was like, I'm just going to watch Celtics, Patriots, we're good. Click. And all of a sudden, it's like, click, click. Just sitting home after work, I'm tired, I feel like, click, click, click. What did, what did Paul say? Make no provision for the flesh. But I was, I was just, mm. No standard, no accountability. One of my wife, she's a trust me. <laughs> keep me accountable. She has a great standard in her heart. Love her, love her for that. For what she brings to my life. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, so a couple more. What was the last verse I gave you guys? Who was writing these down? Second Corinthians seven one. Yeah, nice. Romans six nineteen through twenty two talk to you guys about that one. What you give yourself to, that's what you're going to be a slave to. Sin right. or righteousness. Yeah. And then 1 Peter 1.22. You've purified your souls by obeying the truth through the Spirit. You stand purified by the work of Jesus on the cross. By faith you've entered in. Through grace, God wants to bring you into an expression of that. Not just a spiritual standing, but a revelation that's administered through your life. Okay, wrapping up. First Thessalonians 4 through 3. I got some stars next to it. I have no idea what this says. <laughs> so let's go ahead and read that. I'm just warning you, nothing good might be coming out of this. No, you know what? Something's going to be there. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain. How far does it go to eight? Okay. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all those things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. So regardless of your little, which means this big in your mind, like, oh, I got my doctrinal thing to stand on, but you know what? If you deny truth that's presented through the scripture, not only one scripture, but many scriptures like this, that God wants this in your life, based off something, some ideal, idealistic view of God, right? I want God to be this way, so I'm going to make him this way. It's not God at all. 
God's saying you're not rejecting man. You're not rejecting the preaching of the word, but you're rejecting God himself and the Holy Spirit that he's given freely to you. Serious. In Colossians 1.29 says, you're striving according to his power which mightily works within you. It's about this place of agreement with your heart and your desire to see this take place in your heart. By the grace of God, you're striving, you're working, it's both. You're going after it. I'm making a stand out of revelation of who you are, God. Hebrews 10, I talked about before, but it talks about, I'm going to read it, and then we'll close with that. Go ahead and read. It's a little a little bit long, but Hebrews 10, 26 through 29. It says, For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy of the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think you will deserve, you who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? And as regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he is sanctified, as and you have insulted the spirit of grace. Stop there real quick. And it's just this the grace message. I think this is where this error we're saying, what, you know, you say a prayer, right? God come into my life, change me, I want everything you have for me. I want all those promises this guy just convinced me that you have for me. I said this prayer, I want to go after you, you know, whatever. And uh, and living under the guise of that. Right? No real expression of the working of the Holy Spirit in our life, challenging us, promoting righteousness, causing us to, or changing our desires to change. That will be the fruit regardless. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit entered into your heart. The Holy Spirit comes in and he starts to change the desires of your heart. He's looking for agreement, but if you see none of that at all, that means you're not saved. If you're seeing it but you're rejecting it, you're in danger also. You need to get in repentance before God and ask Him to make your heart alive again. Mm -hmm. But if you're sincerely going after God and there is weakness in your heart just like mine, and saying, but God, I want you. I don't want to settle for this. I don't know all the answers. I don't know how to figure it all out. But God, I know one thing. I want you. I don't, I want you. My life is burdened with this thing about life being short. And I, at first I thought it was a bad thing, but it's a good thing coming to find out. Let hunger rise in your life. That don't waste your life. By which he is sanctified and salted spirit of God. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And he says again, The Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days, when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were also treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. When you do the will of God, you will receive. For yet in a very little while, He is coming, for He who is coming will come, and He will not delay. But my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Mm. Mm. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but those who live by faith to the preserving of the soul. And let's just do an altar call based right on that truth. We are not. We're putting a stand. God, regardless of what's rising up in my heart, regardless of the patterns, or how big or small it is, guys, don't, don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm saying come get prayer or put your heart before God only if you have some big mess. But if you see this place and you just see adjustment that needs to take place in your life or whatever God's doing in your heart, uh, I encourage you guys, just put yourself simply. It's no big thing. God, I want more of you in my life. I don't want to be one that shrinks back. I don't want to start off strong and in faith but be enticed by all the ideologies of my university or all the ideologies of my workplace or of human culture or of United States culture. I want to be consumed with the revelation of who you are, God. I want to see you rightly, Jesus. So let's go ahead and stand. Let's move a couple rows of chairs.
about you and God. Don't let this time pass. If there's conviction on any level in your heart, get a hold of this. Now is the time. All throughout Scripture, now is the time. Now is the time. Tomorrow, not tomorrow, today. Today. I just want to offer a time of response here. You know, uh, this, this message doesn't exactly win the popularity contest in the churches, you know. But it's needed. It's needed in our generation. It's needed in our time and history and culture. You know, I just want to ask you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm encouraged by this, that the Lord disciplines. He's after those who are sons and daughters. There's something to rejoice in that. And that's a scripture verse that I just have cleaved to in times of feeling dealt with by the Lord in gentleness. When he is challenging me, when he's calling me to uh, repentance in an area of habitual sin. Listen, grace is not just a band-aid, an aftermath, a thing that we put in after we failed so many times. Grace is even the ability to stand under the weight and pressure of habitual sin in your life. Grace is poured out to be victorious, not just a band-aid. And there is such a message of perverted grace in our history, in our culture. We need to redefine some things, not be scared of them, because it's God's goodness that will lead us to repentance. It's because He's good. It will draw us into the changing of our hearts. So I just want to exhort you, if you've been treating grace as a band-aid, an aftermath of just like, oh, God, I did it again. Slap it on. Just a welcome mat for my flesh. I'm just a welcome mat for the devil. Just to wipe his shoes all over. I want to encourage you to respond to this message today. That grace would fill you to give you strength to stand in the midst of that addiction to pornography. That grace would fill you to stand in the midst of of where you're divided in your time, where you make daff out at the television. We're not getting issue-oriented. The, 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 the heart of this is not to get issue-oriented. The heart of this is God examine us and know us. Tug at the strings of our hearts. Perfect the work of Christ within us. That's what that's what this that's what the, the edge of this is. It's not about getting you know issue-oriented and making it about you know what you do in your free time about that. The issue is what Jesus was after when he stepped into his ministry. He was after the heart. Come on, you look through the you look through the words of Christ, the challenges of Christ. It was all about the heart. I feel the presence of God here. I really feel that there's just a, a grace to deliver some of us from years of bondage and baggage. If that's you, I just want to respond. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Listen, I, I, if there's nobody, that's fine, but I believe that there's people that the Holy Spirit is tugging on. Just give it some time. into this place. The goodness of God has come into this place and He is tugging at our hearts because He loves us. Because why? 
We are His sons. We are His daughters. And He is after our hearts. Oh God, Lord. Such good news. Thank you, God. Come on, I just want to encourage you. Respond to the Lord. I don't even know. I don't even want to lay hands. I just want to respond to God today. Jesus, come. I'm going to give it a little bit more time. There's more people. Listen, God is here in this place.
fear of the Lord, Father, we say we love your ways. We love your ways, God. We ask, Lord, the Spirit of grace would be poured about upon our lives, God, to not just be a welcome back to the enemy, but, Father, those who walk in victory because of what Christ did, because of what Jesus did on the cross, Father. We ask, Lord, that you would raise up a people who are victorious. Spirit of grace, be poured out upon our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. second just because you responded tonight to something and that the Lord may have ministered to your heart in a way that when you don't leave these doors listen the truth is is there is an enemy there is a real devil who seeks to kill and destroy you and me and friends tonight if there's anything that we leave this place with here tonight that we would make the effort to partner with God to be able to shut off that 